give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem I'm gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back, the Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst. It's your boys from the NBA Draft Show on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. My name is Corey Telba. I am here, as always, joined by my co-host, Albert Garbage Time Gim. Albert, how are we feeling today? Fantastic. Always, always good. Always excited. That's a lie, saying I'm always good. That's <laughs> straight up lie. I apologize to the audience. Um, it feels great to be here. Uh, I'm feeling very nostalgic today. Um, with our guest um, mm. today, it, this just feels really strange because it's been so long. But um, this is how everything started for us, Corey. So this yeah. is a lot of fun. That's true. Our very first guest on when this show is titled The Draft Act on its own podcast feed uh, was Tyler Metcalf to help us break down Evan Mobley mm. uh, early in the draft cycle um, of that year. So Tyler Metcalf of NoCeilingsNBA.com. Welcome back to the show. Long time listener, third time caller. Um, just <laughs> I- I honored to be on with you guys then, uh, e- even more so now. Uh, I-, I feel like we only get about one of these every draft. So this is fun, even though we talk daily. But I- I'm excited for this one. Good to be with yeah, you guys. It's, it's strange because we are always doing some kind of video session uh and whatnot for no ceilings whether it's behind the scenes public not public or whatever but like i went on uh the draft sicko show on monday and that was the first time i had ever recorded with maxwell you know so it's it's we still have um a lot of wires to cross uh between the no ceilings talent so hopefully we can be doing that um more throughout this draft cycle that way uh you know everybody on the team gets to rock a little bit but today you're all here because uh it is February, which means we are heading into March Madness. And that means that, you know, NBA player draft stock or NBA draft prospect draft stock is starting to kind of get into a groove of what it may or may not look like uh, more for the rest of the cycle. We're starting to get, you know, maybe some new names uh, than we we didn't necessarily have in the last iteration. But um, nonetheless, we are, you know, getting some exciting prospects to talk about fresh blood guys are jumping in guys are jumping out um we have new number ones you know new new prospects to talk about with injuries and boredom i guess (laughs) um from a lot of people but uh we're really excited to do these shows because we get to riff on you know a whole bunch of prospects instead of just focusing on one or two singular prospects so it's february um and let's get right into our first kind of batch of prospects. Uh, Alex Saar still holding down the number one spot based on um, his rankings. Uh, He is starting to, I want to say, separate himself a little bit from, from the first, uh, from everybody else, just seemingly from consensus. You know, there's some people who are favorite, you know, have their favorites in this group, but Saar has been in this, position um and, and it seems like he's going to be at least in that top two potentially top three uh zachary Richesher uh has locked down number two he has you know risen to number one on some outlets 
Nikola Topic, who has been injured, is number three. Cody Williams has come in at number four. He's made a, a nice little leap. And then Jacoby Walter still holding on to a top five spot. So Metcalf as our guest, what stands out about this first group um, in particular in the top five? Um. And I, I think it's with Alex Sar, you know, sorry to start at the very top, but I think it's kind of interesting just looking at the average cost of amongst the community, it trending closer to a surefire one. Whereas when we did our last no ceilings uh, consensus board, it was he was moving the opposite direction where and he was still number one on our board, but the average ranking was quite a bit lower um, than the previous month. So I it feels like he's kind of a polarizing prospect at the top of the draft, despite being basically at the top of the draft all season. So I, I just, his, how he's viewed, um, I think is really, really interesting amongst kind of the different parties. And like so many of these guys, it's, I really think that that number one spot is going to be incredibly fit dependent. So Albert, um, mm-hmm. I know you have kind of held strong and you've been a, a big star fan throughout this cycle. Um, is, is he somebody who you still have at the top of your board? Corey, that's why you're the best host in the business because you know how to ask all the best questions. And, um, it's funny. I just had a conversation with Evan from, uh, our no ceilings team and I actually dropped SAR to number four on my board. Mm. Um, while he's been one on my board for a very, very long time, I started thinking some, something and I brought it up to Evan and we we're talking about it a little bit. And I realized for my, this is just for me, my own personal view on the situation. I, I think I had SAR so high on my board because I was coloring this board with just, you know, the remnants of the last couple of years. Um, I think the image of Chet, the image of Victor, uh, Evan Mobley, all these guys, they were like just really, you know, deeply ingrained in my brain. Um, and maybe if I were smarter, I could get them out of my brain and start anew. But um, I don't know, like it just, I kept thinking about those guys and it kind of colored my view of Alex R, where I feel like I may have been slightly overrating his game just a little bit. Um, those guys were incredible and not to say that Alex R isn't great. I mean, he is very worthy of being in this conversation. And it's not like I dropped him to like 15th on my board. He's still at four in the top five, right? Um, and that could always change. Um, but I think the biggest thing, the reason why I wanted to drop him on my board a little bit is because, number one, I realized I might have been, you know, overreacting a little bit. And then I had another overreaction because I saw Cody Williams play in person and I stood, you know, next to him on the practice, uh, on the floor during warmups and stuff. And I was like, oh, he might be my number one guy. So, I moved Cody Williams to one on my current board right now, this very second. But you know what? I'm weak. And, um, you know, in 20 minutes after talking to you guys, Cody Williams might be off my board. I don't know. This is who I am. So uh, <laughs> accept me as I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cody Williams has been the big riser over the yeah. last month or so. Um you know, I, I think with Cody, you know, obviously the rim pressure and like the size and the frame and that combination uh, combination, he has been really efficient this year, um, kind of everywhere on the floor. And, you know, obviously he's such a different prospect than his brother Jalen. But, you know, the one thing you can say is that, you know, they do share um, some genetics and Jalen really grew into his body in this like kind of insane way where he's just so strong and physical to, to kind of 
be in combination with all of the smooth uh, skills that he has, right? And you're kind of projecting that kind of physical transformation a little bit. You made note of it, uh, you know, that that Cody's body looked so good in comparison to what it looked like when we all saw him at the Nike Hoop Summit last April, right? Like he's already made strides and this is somebody who's a freshman compared to when Jalen came out um, after a few years in college. So he's taller. He has those big, strong shoulders. He gets to the rim. He's got that elite spin, uh, to get to the rim. He's got these weird flick shots. You know, the, the jumper for as weird as it could look at times, um, is going in. And I I don't think any of us are probably going to project him as one of the better shooters in the draft, even with the percentages, but like that whole package, I think is just really, really intriguing. Um, you know, Metcalf, what does really impress you about Cody to, I I think, you know, we've all been really excited by the strides he's made. What is it specifically that has you, uh, high on Cody? Uh, just that he gets better by the game. (laughs) And one of the, we talked about it at hoop summit drink. Um, but he just looked uncomfortable. He didn't look confident. He looked like a fish out of water there. Um, and he kind of looked overwhelmed by the setting and, at the very, very, very start of the season, we saw some of those signs. Where I was like, all right, maybe he's just going to be a big-time sophomore breakout. But by the week, he's kind of found his groove, gotten more confident, and just the success and the production has followed rapidly. Um, I buy the shot in some sense where I don't think he's going to be a lethal shooter, but I think he'll be good enough. Um, and you mentioned kind of the different ways that he can get to the rim, just that that flexibility of you know, the bend that he can, uh, get on turning the corner, um, you know, hit, hit guys with spin moves, just the, the versatility and transition in the half court and just all of those ways getting to the rim really consistently is really encouraging for someone with his size and his frame that I think is going to continue to add really meaningful strength. Albert, do you, do you think Cody is a project prospect? Um, Absolutely. Um, I I think just to piggyback off of everything that Metcalf just said, I think Metcalf's description of Cody's game kind of speaks to that, right? He's developing game by game and his development is not over. This is, in my opinion, just the beginning. But the reason why I was so enamored by his game when I saw him live was just all the concerns that we had at Hoop Summit. It felt like almost like he heard us and he's been working on all those things. He's so much stronger. He's way more confident. And this is something that I noted in my piece too, that came out this morning, just seeing him interacting with his teammates was interesting for me um, in warmups in the pregame stuff. He was joking around with all of them. You could tell that like, he's got a great relationship with some of the upperclassmen. He was kind of bumping bodies with Tristan De Silva constantly kind of in his ear, um, you know, wanting to you know talk to him and stuff fooling around with coaches, but not, you know, not being like, you know, like a clown, but, you know, just having a good relationship with those guys, which was really encouraging to see. And I think for me, just seeing him grow throughout the season, playing off of, you know, KJ Simpson, Tristan De Silva, the synergy that he has with uh, Eddie Lampkin Jr. was really interesting to see as well, not only just on film, but in person as well playing off of him that guy eddie lampkin's really fun actually um in person he's this gigantic human being but he moves really well and passes the ball really well but anyway with cody just seeing him attack the rim also the game that i went to he just decided to never miss um which also helps right so <laughs> i think he was like yeah i think he was eight for eight from the field and just played 
within himself the whole time, never felt like he was trying to do too much. Um, a guy like he knew his role and was like, I'm not going to do anything crazy to ruin things here. I'm just going to play my role. And whenever he got the opportunity, he answered the call. So I uh, was really, really impressed. But Corey, to your question, definitely think he's a developmental guy. I think Corey, something that you and I text about, um, I sent you like a slow motion video of his shot. And you had mentioned to me that he, he's got to widen that base a little bit. And that's something you can see, right? R whether it's on film or in person, he's very he's already kind of narrow as a human being because he's skinny, but then the shot looks extra narrow, like a, just like a stick insect uh, shooting a ball or a praying mantis type of situation. Yeah. But um, if he widens that base a little bit, I think it'll be better. But the reason why I'm optimistic about the shooting is he's got great touch. You see it in practice, like all the mid range outside floaters, everything, the touch on him is fantastic. So I'm really excited about his continual growth uh, in that aspect. All right. There's, there's one more prospect in this top five before we move on that I want to touch on and look, I don't want to overreact, but, but Metcalf, where are we at with Kobe, <laughs> Jacoby Walters spot in, uh, in the green room here? Are we getting nervous? Um, is, is he, has he had too much to drink and, and security might need to, you know, carry him out soon? Or do we, you know, do we think he's got a puke and rally in him? What, where, where are we at with, with Jacoby? Yeah. And he, he kind of left his, his VIP table in the back to, you know, to, to go get a drink at the bar and struggled to find a spot at the bar and kind of had to finagle his way. And he somehow found himself uh, down at the very end, closer to the door. And it's getting a little worrisome on if he's going to be able to find his way back through the crowd uh, to his section. It, it, it hasn't been good recently, um, but I don't know. I, I'm still trying to stay optimistic with him. There's still a lot that I am intrigued about with his game. I think he gets put in a really bad spot a lot of times where it's like, oh, crap, we didn't get any good looks here. Let's just throw it to Jacoby with two seconds left and see what he can do. Um, he's not a great the, – the on-ball creation has been um, a little lackluster and a little disappointing um, all season for me. But I, I still think he's one of the better kind of guard shooters in this class. And as like more of a traditional two guard, um, I, I think he still has a ton of upside. Yeah. And, you know, our uh, our very own Tyler Rucker posted a fun little guess who graphic um, on social media the other day of his percentages versus Keontae George's percentages uh, about the same way through their college seasons. And, you know, they were eerily similar now. I, I think Keontae is a, a better prospect than Jacoby is. Um, but I, I, I think he's a kind of guy that it, we don't need to worry too much um, because free throw percentage has stayed high. You know, he takes a lot of tough shots. Um, you know, the self-creation just because of that handle being what it is, is, you know, going to be inconsistent, but he'll show some flashes, but yeah. the frame and, you know, his size and um, the pedigree, like at the very least, you feel safe that he's going to be an NBA player. Uh, in my opinion, even if, you know, maybe some of the, the passing stuff doesn't ever come to fruition. Uh, but I do think he probably is going to have to pick it up a little bit if he wants to keep his position on the stock charts at this price. If if you and Rucker, whoever has the Jacoby stock um, in, in the stock market game, might be uh, time to, uh, to move yeah. off of it, or is this just to keep and, and, and hope that we, you know, it improves? <sighs> And I think whoever bought in, I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think whoever bought in got him a little lower than this. So this may be uh, not selling at the peak, but 
I, I, I think I think we may be able to still turn a, a, a slight profit here. Okay. Um, thank God somebody is going to be able to keep a pro, uh, <laughs> make a a profit on that. All right. Let's uh, let's look at the next group. We have Rob Dillingham, who's made a huge huge jump. Um, you know, his previous cost was eleven. He's now at six point seven, holding down the six spot. Modest Buzelis is coming in at seven, even though he is uh, coming in hot with some of the the his recent rankings ron holland at eight who has just been shut down and if you had subscribed to no ceilings plus and we're in our discord you would have gotten that news first uh reed shepherd is at nine and then stefan castle is at 10 so albert who stands out to you um in that next tier of guys <sighs> i mean as you mentioned Corey, the the leap for dillingham has been incredible um that's something definitely worth noting here um holland continues i mean now with him being shut down i, I i'm really curious I, I think he's gonna try to ramp up for like the pre-draft stuff though right is yes that's <clears> the situation so yeah power to him hopefully that works out um i did want to ask you guys about buzelis um because obviously he's played well be- better as of late um and he's kind of the hot topic for a lot of you know, draft scouts, analysts, whatever, media scouts, whatever. Um, and he seems like he's kind of not rising, but re-rising. Um, you know, he had a little bit, bit of a dip and then he's coming back up again. So why don't you get your thoughts on him just because um, I'm still not the biggest Buzelis fan. However, I don't hate him just because it kind of goes back to Corey when we did our pod on him, something that I remember you saying that night that's really important is uh, worst case scenario, he's really tall and he's going to shoot the ball well. And so that's kind of where my brain continues to go because there are certain things that I watch. I'm like, oh, I don't love that. And then I'll watch him like, oh, he's still really tall, can shoot it well. Oh, wait, that was a nice drive. Well, oh, he kind of got physical there. Nice defense. You know, so there are like little spurts here and there, but I, I can't find myself being like the biggest fan of his game yet. So did want to ask you guys and how you felt. Maybe we can go Metcalf first, how you've been feeling about Buzelis uh, as of late. Encouraged. Um, I'm coming into. I think I was the lowest on him of the No Ceilings crew coming into the season, where I like he was just outside my lottery. Um, I thought a lot of the shooting stuff got really overblown in high school, where the bulk of it was standstill stuff or yeah. him just kind of catching at the elbow and shooting over a six foot tall defender. Um, I n- never have really seen the self creation stuff. Um, as I say that, he's you know busting out a, a little hezy that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, and gets the scoop finish so you know great timing there but i i don't really see him being able to consistently create against nba guys where i've been really encouraged is actually on the defensive end mm-hmm. um you know it's still not great but i think his fundamentals and his footwork and his willingness to kind of get down in a defensive stance has been really good i think his help side shot blocking has been really good um it's just i think he's really limited athletically i don't think he has great foot speed um the explosiveness is good when it's not in traffic but you throw a couple of guys in the lane and i think he kind of becomes purely a below the rim finisher um except for the occasional you know punishing guys for late rotations he's in my top 10 i'm intrigued kind of like you you, you guys have said worst case scenario he's 69 610 and can be a really really high level uh spot up shooter so i i think at minimum top 10 is um kind of the 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 baseline for him yeah i never really panicked with the shot when he wasn't hitting them early in the year because the shot looks good yeah um 
And, you know, these guys are adjusting to that further three point line. Uh, you know, I think if there's, you know, certainly some adjustments to the, the, the G league experience. Um, I think that's probably one of the tougher ones, just having to shoot from that further line. I think there are probably benefits because of how loose and sloppy it is it's probably a little easier to, to put up volume numbers, um, without a leash, but I was never too low on that when he was missing shots, but I'm also not like super high and thinking that he's going to be like, you know, one of the better shooters in the league either. I think he's just like a good, he's a good shooter. Um, you know, I shout out to everybody watching in, in the chat and, uh, Nick's the streets are buzzing says all aboard the Furphy train. Now, you know, we'll, we'll touch on him later, but I think it makes a pretty interesting argument on a guy who probably does a lot of similar things in the role at the next level. So like, I know that Modest is, you know, having a little bit of a resurgence, but like he's not the only tall, foreign, kind of foreign. I mean, you know, <laughs> he was born in America, uh, but Lithuania stand up uh, shooter who, you know, is kind of like an ancillary guy with a little bit of bounce. Um, but I, I think his rise is is interesting because it's like, all right, he's hitting a few more threes, but ultimately, I mean, the playmaking feel is still kind of the same as it was in high school where it like he's capable of making some pretty reads, but like the decision-making and processing still is just okay at best. Right. Um, and the physicality is something I think he's probably always going to deal with, you know, while he has a good frame, like I just saw Cooper flag the other day in person and like my dude's frame is something you're never going to have to question. He's got these big, strong, just Tatum shoulders, and like, you know, he's younger than, than Buzelis is. Um, and it's going to take a lot, a lot of work and, and time. So, but it's this, in, in this draft, I don't know, maybe you, you want a like a, a poor man's Franz type of guy and who's going to be able to be switchable. And, you know, I think that's why his stock is kind of trending up as everybody else is kind of just uh, having a blah season. And even somebody like Dillingham, who's hit the sixth spot, right? Like this is somebody who you still have to question if he's even going to be capable of being a, not a not like a, a an even defender like how how much he's going to take off the table on that end in in the long term so uh at the very least you can be like well maybe modest is switchable and big and you're not gonna be able to like target him in the playoffs um by the time he actually is on a team that and getting minutes that's capable of getting there if i can really quickly Corey, um with modest i, I just wanted to go back to the point that Metcalf made about him on defense Sometimes watching him getting like watching him like get into a stance, it almost feels like they're like really coaching that into him. So he's like really pushing himself to get into a stance. But sometimes like it looks so forced that it actually makes him like less mobile laterally because he's like really struggling to get into that stance. Um, and also, Corey, the last point that you made about Dillingham, like watching the when they played against uh, Gonzaga, like he just wasn't in the game at the end. And I was just like, oh, OK, well. There it is, right? There are still some concerns with him. So, yeah. Is is there anybody from this group um, reading it off again? Dillingham at six, Buzelis at seven, Holland at eight, Shepard at nine, Castle at ten. And it seems like Buzelis is trending that way. Is there anybody else that you think can enter that first group, that top five group? It'd be Castle for me. Um, yeah. He's in my top three right now. He's been so impressive lately, and his defense has been so so much better this year than i ever expected it would um i he he's looked absolutely incredible these last this last month or so 
So he, he would definitely be the one for me. Just really quickly on Castle. I'm with you, Metcalf. He's been playing really well. It's just once every five three-pointers he takes, it just hits the bottom of the backboard. I'm just like, damn, I wish you just didn't do that and you would be locked in the top five. And it takes a while for him to get to five three-point attempts because That's he's true. frequently passing up wide open ones. So, you know, I don't love that. But yeah. everything else I'm a huge fan of. I, that's the guy for me too. Um, yeah. I, I mean, no ceilings. We've all, always been a little bit higher than consensus on on Castle. Um, part of it is you know build and frame and archetype. Uh, part of it is that we really liked his high school film and you know thought he was a dog and you know taking it to Ron Holland in, in that matchup. Um, it, there's uh, this feeling of that he's more of like an off ball ancillary guy. And it seems like most people are kind of giving up on the point guard aspect of it. Mm. I'm kind of struggling giving that up because he's playing on a veteran defending national championship team where he missed some time and he's playing next to a bunch of guys who are used to playing with the ball in his hands. And he is fitting in and kind of doing what he can to star in his role. Am I crazy to still believe in his like, primary on ball equity at the next level. Um, I, I definitely still buy it. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think a lot of this is situation. And if you put him on basically any other college team, he's probably running the point, but Tristan Newton returned, you know, starting point guard from national champion. Uh, Cam Spencer takes a lot of kind of creation there. Um, they're an old team and they expect to repeat. So they're not just going to give a freshman the reins and be like, Hey, run the show for us as we, Look, look to repeat um i yeah I, I i still think and every now and then he'll bust out some of these incredible passes and these uh pick and running the pick and roll well he'll you know hit the defenders with a hesitation at the elbow and then keep you know nash dribble through the paint and then hit a live dribble like one-handed uh kick out to a wide open alex caravan who will drain it for three um he he does have a really really high level understanding of kind of playing with pace and just overall floor spacing. So I, I definitely think, you know, is it going to be a pure point guard? Probably not, but I do think there's a lot of kind of initiation in his future. And, and to your point, Metcalf, I feel like you're right. If he was in a different like situation circumstance, he probably would be running the team and running the offense, but this is how I'm thinking about it. I'm wondering if this kind of turned out great for him, right? Because Maybe this opportunity, right, playing with this UConn team, as you mentioned, Cam Spencer does dribble the ball a lot, so does Tristan Newton. <clears throat> maybe this is like his opportunity to show like NBA teams I can do both, right? And maybe on the next level, he ends up in a situation where they they see, you know, what we've seen, the high school stuff, and we go, we want to invest in you as like a more of an on-ball guy. But also now you've had a season in college where you kind of didn't have to do that all the time and you were still effective. You were having an impact on the game. And now we know you can do both. So it could be a good thing for him in the long run. Yeah. If anything, I think he's kind of, you know, done a really good job playing a role right. that he's probably, you know, not a hundred percent used to playing and fitting in and, and looking good while doing it. And, you know, when we say like, is there point guard equity? Like there are so few, like Mike Conley is, you know, entering the league now that like, you know, being able to kind of have that shared responsibility um, and being able to fit in and, and play utility guard slash wing is if anything, that versatility to me seems really beneficial to be able to do. Um, and I, I think, you know, as the process goes on, especially when we see those sweet uh, 
pre-workout videos of Stefan Castle just splashing three after three in the in the coming months. Um, Eight in a row? Oh my god! Yeah, it's gonna be like crack. <laughs> uh, I think he's just the guy that it's like he's gonna have. He's probably gonna have a deep tournament run. He's probably gonna interview like amazing, like he, the, the physical ability. I, to me, he's like the easy answer for a guy who's gonna creep up into uh into that that top five. Um, let's take a a look at. Uh, the next group of guys um, here, Kyle Filipowski at 11, Isaiah Collier at 12, Kevin McCuller at 13, Dalton Connect at 14, Tijan Salon at 15. Um, I mean, are we we ready to have the Isaiah Collier conversation here? Because my guys looked a little bit better since he come back. Yeah, he he has. His numbers have looked much better. Um it's kind of hard for them to get worse um, for what it's worth. But I kind of feel like if we're going to have the Collier conversation, Albert and I may just need to go on mute and let you kind (laughs) of let you kind of vent for (laughs) 10 minutes or so. Um, Well, to be fair, um, you know, I've been, I've been a big vocal uh, detractor of of Isaiah Collier, Um, not of the talent because he's somebody that I, I think I quite liked coming in. Uh, as far as the the talent goes, and I thought he was one of like the more impressive physical guy, like specimen mm-hmm. guys at, at Hoop Summit. When we saw him in person, even though there's no godly way that he's anything resembling six foot five uh, in height. But um, I mean, look, he's somebody who just like wasn't playing winning basketball for all of the you know impressive passing flashes, like the the athleticism. He had one dunk before he went out and got injured, which was less than Reed Shepard, you know, like, so for somebody who is billed as this big physical downhill explosive dude, like very much below the rim. Now, granted, he's always been a good finisher, um, but like he has looked way better at processing, making decisions. He just had a nine assist, one turnover game. Uh, he was six and two before the game before that. The shot to me is what it is and what it's going to be like. I, even if he goes on like some kind of heater, like I'm not like a buyer that he's going to have an NBA ready shot. But I think that if he can continue to just slow down and and make good decisions while, you know, doing his rim pressure thing, there's a kid who, you know, I, I think is you're looking at like top 10 as his floor um, as teams search for like some kind of primary, you know, ball handler in, in, in this class. And, you know, to be fair, like I think there's a chance given the the physical tools and, you know, his frame that, you know, maybe there is some, like, if he were to drop, he could be like a Tyrese Maxey type guy. Um, but he's got to keep it up and be consistent and, and show that he's, you know, not just a uh, good numbers, bad team guy. Mm. Uh, heavy emphasis on bad team. Uh, this USC team's been a freaking nightmare to watch. Um, I feel terrible for everyone involved i'm so cory <clears throat> for me i'm gonna refrain from making like any uh definitive statements on collier because uh, i'm supposed to see him live soon uh mm-hmm. at ucla so i'll wait till after that one or maybe i'll do another one of these you know uh notebook pieces like i did today but um no you're right cory to his credit he has been better since he came back from injury um that nine assist one turnover game good for him right if he can slow things down great you know that would be great because sometimes <clears throat> before he got hurt dude some of those turnovers were like what the hell dude like i tried imagining being his teammate and being like do you want to fist fight after this or 
um, you know, one of those situations. But no, to his credit card, he, he has played better. Um, he has looked really impressive at times. So we'll see. I, I Once again, I want to reserve final judgment until I see him uh, in, in person. Shout out to the chat, by the way. Uh, yes, Alex, which we do. We do read the chat. And uh, we're not hating. We're evaluating. <laughs> Trying to be fair. And uh, he's been playing better, which is what we said. Um, so uh, Gregory Castillo says, watching USC in Colorado made me want to scratch my eyes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same. So, Greg. you know, this is this is something that is not, um, you know, just us. It's it's something that I but I think he's done a better job. He he looks like he's starting to look like the prospect he was billed as. Yeah. Where before he was, you know, producing at a level where given all his physical tools, where he just it wasn't conducive to winning on any kind of basketball floor. And when you're investing top 10 capital, even in a bad draft, you don't want to just be like, well, that's a bad draft. Let me just throw a dart at the wall. Even, you know, if it's a, you know, regardless. Um, but uh, yeah, Collier's look better. Uh, thoughts on AJ Mitchell. We'll, we'll touch on, on AJ as, as we get to him. Um, there are some fans at no ceilings for sure. Um, so we also have Filipowski, McCuller, Connect, and Salon. Uh, in this group, which is a couple of older dudes and then maybe the most raw potential lotto pick in this draft. So Metcalf, which one of these guys um, do you kind of want to touch on here before we move on to the next next group of guys? Um, I, I need you guys to convince me on Filipowski because the more okay. I watch, the more out I get. Um, Interesting. I... I Let's start with the positives. Um, his passing this year has been absurd. Um, I think he's been one of the best uh, passers in probably this draft, let alone among the big men. Um, his ability to kind of uh, pass and create out of the short roll, really impressive. Uh, those skip passes out of the post, really impressive, really accurate with them too, which I think is something that kind of gets understated where we we see the vision and that's awesome, but then he's all pretty consistently putting it in the shooting pocket. Love all of that. Love the rebounding, the foul drawing, uh, the physicality and the motor that he has. Um, how does he score in the NBA? Because he's still not shooting it. The mechanics look fine from you know my amateur eye. Um, I don't think there's really anything to worry about, but this is two years in a row where he hasn't really shot it. And 90% of his interior shots are him just going through the chest of the defender. Um, he doesn't really create anything easy the bulk of the time in the post um you know occasionally he'll have some awesome you know up and under spin move down there but a lot of it is him just trying to out muscle guys in the post and that leads to a handful of fouls but how translatable is that to the league how is that going to go when he's trying to do that against valentunas or potal let let alone gobert or Embiid? so i'm just not sure how he consistently scores um in the nba to warrant a near top 10 selection well i think that he's going to be able to play four because i think the thing that has stood out to me for him this year outside of like some of the improvements you know with the shot which to me looks similar but they're going in more which is a good sign um is i just think his his ability to move his feet on defense has you know, been really impressive and chalk that up to being a second year player instead of a first year player or chalk it up to the hip surgery. 
but whatever it is, like I think he's actually able to get kind of low in his stance now where he was somebody who, if you put a guard on him last year because he was so narrow, it felt like, you know, he was able to make up for it some with, you know, his size and his length. But now it really feels like if he's on an island, he's able to survive that. So, yeah, he's not going through the chest of Joel Embiid or Gobert, but could he go through the chest of Jeremy Grant? Like, I think he could probably do that. Um, can he run a pick and roll and, you know, all of a sudden it's a guard big switch and now he's got to take advantage of a matchup with, you know, a smaller wing? I think he can do that. The post stuff, I, I mean, how much post stuff is he going to be tasked to do with at the next level, right? Like that, well, to yeah, me, it's almost sure. inconsequential outside of like him cutting to the hoop and using like right. post moves for, on like dump ins and whatnot. Um, but I think his ability to just be connective and um, be physical, he's competitive, rebounds the ball. Like I, I think that Filipowski is the kind of guy that, um, you know, would slide in really nicely next to, you know, certain team contacts. Like mm. I think he would be great in Oklahoma city, Agreed. you know, playing next to Chet. I, I think he would look pretty good next to Victor. Um, and you know, I, I think that his ability to kind of move his feet and attack a closeout is pretty underrated too. Um, and then you add in some of the passing stuff. Is he going to be Laurie Markkinen? No, but can he be like diet Laurie Markkinen for stretches as either like a complimentary piece or a bench guy? I think possibly. And I, I think he knows how to play. So to me, that's a, a way better uh, ability than some of the other guys that are going in that range. Um, so it's, he's just a good basketball player who does a, a lot of things, probably with a limited, you know, cap on his ceiling, just given like certain athletic limitations. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mikhaf. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And kind of viewing him through the prism of more of a four um, mm-hmm. would probably be a little more encouraging um for how i'd view him so you know try and think about him playing against or playing with lively last year but now with you know the improved passing handle movement ability and all that kind of stuff um i definitely agree with the defense he's moving way better i don't love the drop pick and roll coverage but again if we're talking about him as a four how when is he ever really gonna have to do that then so oh did we lose my cuff I think he froze. Well, Corey, I, I just wanted to say, uh, just going off of what you said, I, I 100% see him as a four on the next level, just because I feel like um, a lot of the rim protection stuff with him um, is going to be interesting. But I think the way that I thought about it, Corey, it, I, for me, I didn't even think of like a Laurie Markinen. I actually thought of like, what if he's kind of like, not that they're like one for one comp or, you know, even like similar in how they play, but what if he's kind of like a Nas Reed type of situation, right? Like a backup four mm-hmm. comes off the bench, gives you, I mean, we've seen he's, he's plays with a lot of toughness, plays with a lot of energy. Maybe he comes in and offers a, a lot of that off the bench and becomes like a really underrated, nice bench piece. Right. And I know Metcalf was like, well, why do you take a type of a guy, type of guy like that in the top 10? Well, Honestly, Corey, someone in this draft that goes like 11 and 12 might go like 31st in another draft. And I, that just kind of is the situation that we're in with this class. So with a guy like Filipowski, if he could potentially be like a really rock solid back of four, like a Nas Reed type of guy, then I, I, I'd i be totally fine taking the top t- using a top 10 pick on a guy like Filipowski in this class, at least. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, if Filipowski came out last year, I still think there's a a pretty good chance he goes in that in the top 25. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, something to, uh, to consider 
with that. Uh, moving on here beyond those guys, um, our our next group of guys we have uh, is Missy from Baylor, Tyler Smith from the G League Ignite, Donovan Klingen, Ryan Dunn, and Bobby Clinton. Um, is there anybody in particular there that that you're itching to talk about here? Tyler Smith. Mm, okay. I, I'm. I moved him up my board a ton. Um, my thing with Tyler Smith, the more I watch him, it's like, I love how he moves. And Corey, I know you're a big movement guy, right? Like you love guys that I, I think I was listening to your pod on Sunday, the draft sickos one yeah. um, with, with, uh, with Maxwell. Maxwell. And you were talking about Keyshawn George and how he moves on the floor and how like mm-hmm. his movement patterns are so interesting for me. I watched Tyler Smith and I'm like, I have to remind myself that this guy's like almost seven foot. Um, I love the way that he moves for a guy his size. Um, I, I love the jumper on him. I think his outlook in the NBA is not that complicated. He's going to be a pick and pop four, um, not super duper athletic, but is going to give you, you know, he's going to bring some intensity on the defensive side of the ball, um, moves really well. A guy that, you know, you're going to trust to hit outside shots. Um, I, I just, I feel like his outlook is pretty simple. Um, and it, that simple outlook is, plenty valuable in the nba like grabbing a guy who's that tall that moves that well and can shoot it that well also Corey, clearly i have a type um i like guys that are six seven to six ten and can shoot the ball and if you're one of those guys you're probably going to end up in my top 10 for no reason but um with tyler smith dude the more i watch him the more i go i i just can't see like his floor is so intriguing to me like I, I would like that guy, you know, CJ Miles ish type of guy, but maybe even better. And he's taller, right? So, right. Um, I, I, I'm super into Tyler Smith. Yeah, Tyler Smith, I've been a big fan of for a while. I got to see him last year with the overtime elite a couple of times, and the first time I got to watch him in person was um in this New Jersey high school all star contest thing where the overtime elite teams. He was on the Cold Hearts. Uh, took on this New Jersey high school team that had some really interesting, you know, college players that are D one now and in the future. And uh, he was the guy that really stood out on, on that cold hearts team because it was just like, all right, he's huge. Like um, in person, he just looked massive and you just see that shot and you're like, Oh, that looks different than everybody else. Cause as you were saying, like that smoothness with him um, and that fluidity stands out as far as his athleticism too. So like, his ability to use that leverage that he has and and that gravity as a shooter to to pull guys away from the hoop, hard close, and then attack it in a straight line. Uh, And then that's where you see the athleticism really pop. It's really fun. And just if, if he's just this pick and pop guy who could, you know, attack a closeout every now and then um, it's just a, a really interesting prospect in as an ancillary guy in your lineup. Right. So, um, I, I think that, you know, Tyler is a guy that is going to have a lot of fans and, and he's the one prospect seemingly that has seen his stock this year kind of boom, yeah. um, given the context and the situation. And um, just because of the simplicity and his ability to play within himself in a context where a lot of people really struggle to play within themselves, right. the game moves really fast and it really never has moved fast for him. Now, certainly it's, you know, moved fast for him, uh, 
on the defensive end at times, but, but offensively, he's always looked really poised and confident in his role. And you can say, because it's more simplistic than, you know, modest and Ron, or you could just say like, this is a guy who knows his game and there's, you know, a, a feel and an IQ for, you know, believing and understanding that. And, um, so I, I, I definitely think that, that Tyler is, is really intriguing and it wouldn't shock me if he was, if he went in the lotto, um, you know, on draft night at, in the, in the least. And Corey, just really quickly, like the whole simplicity part of it, like there's nothing wrong with that. Like you can't, not everyone in the league can be Jason Tatum, right? You need guys, you need to fill your rosters with guys that can play a role that aren't going to go beyond what you ask them to do and, you know, play to T. I think Corey last year or the year before, I think you wrote a piece on Kevin McCuller and you said he was going to be a star uh, in his role or something to that effect. Right. And I think, those guys are crazy important. And, in, and especially in a class like this, I feel like most NBA teams are going to be looking for those types of guys, right? Knowing that this is not the year to find the that 1A superstar or the next face of your franchise. A guy like Tyler Smith should, one, in my opinion at least, should 100% be in the lottery conversation just because he's showing it right now on that team with Ron and Modis and, you know, all those guys. He's just doing his role and he's doing it to great effect. So uh, I'm I'm right there with you. Now, Gregory Castillo in the chat says, if I believed in his defense, I'd have him top 10. And then uh, in Ginola says, this guy's going to be a turnstile. Shot is legit, though. So Metcalf, for a guy who actually does get, like, I think he's got pretty good stock numbers. Um, what has been kind of your perception of, of Tyler Smith's defense? Uh, because, you know, agreed, like, it hasn't been, you know, the best yeah, and I, I wouldn't classify him as an elite defender by any means, but I think um, some of his like weak side rim protection stuff has been really good and kind of the shining light of his game. So I, I with his ability to stretch the floor, I'm much more intrigued with the idea of him as a power forward or playing that kind of four role and being able to stretch it out to the corners um, and then play as that low man um, and be that support system from the weak side where whether he's you know tagging the roller or rotating over on drives or whatever I, th- I think there's a lot of upside with his weak side stuff I don't want him being on the ball or the drop defender and pick and roll but I, I I think his defensive concerns have almost gotten a little overblown given how good he is doing stuff like this so and maybe because I just saw a highlight that had uh Salt Lake City jazz team in it if he had gone the more traditional college route, is he having a freshman season that kind of mirrors a guy like Taylor Hendricks? I don't think it's totally unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely think Hendricks moves a lot better defending on ball. Um, but a lot of the offensive stuff is the same where it's really simple. It's play finishing, it's catch and shoot. Um, just doing the little things and then being that menace on the weak side. Um, so I, I don't think that's a totally ridiculous kind of comparison. And does the on ball defense, which I think has definitely had some, some issues, especially when he just gets caught, like standing straight. Um, does it look like less of a concern at the college level where the floor is a little bit more tight and the guards are a little less consistently good and dynamic. And um, maybe this is a guy who, instead of talking about him where, Hey, maybe he could be in the lotto and he's 17th in these rankings where 
is he actually a top seven guy potentially? Like, is he more in that range? So, um, I don't know if I'm personally there with him, but I think it's an interesting conversation to be had with him as a prospect to as for as, as much as this ignite process has maybe helped him rebound his draft stock after people kind of forgot about him with overtime elite. Is there even a, a higher level he would have reached if he was in a beneficial college system is it, kind of an interesting yeah. um, thing. Now there are a couple other, I mean, this, this is really an interesting group here. Donovan Klingon's at 18. And, you know, this is a guy that when I, I remember vividly, um, we were saying needs to go back to school. Uh, last year at the Hoop Summit, we were very passionate about it. Um, I don't remember if he had announced yet if he would that he was returning or he like announced it like the week after um, we had recorded that. But we were like, this is a guy who needs to prove that he can kind of, you know, do some things in, in bigger minutes. I don't necessarily know if he has a hundred percent shown that he could do that. And there are some real injury concerns, but are we just bored of him? <laughs> and that's why he's kind of coming in at 18 on these February rankings. When, when he does play, he is awesome. <laughs> and really the thing good. is, I think that his, defense isn't even the thing that's been awesome as like the best part about him this year. I think his offense has been really good. Um, and UConn is a wagon again this year, and he is a large part of that again. To me, I've seen the things that I wanted to see out of him mm. to like buy into this kind of like lumbering center that doesn't shoot threes as a potential lotto guy. Obviously this class helps make that argument for him because if you're just looking for good players i think that he's starting to get a little underrated as people get bored of him because he has just been productive whenever he's on the floor it's just sometimes he's not on the floor Corey, i think for me it's not even the on the floor stuff like he had a six assist game against georgetown yeah F fantastic like that's great, right? That's the type of stuff we were looking for with Klingon. But his injury stuff is all with the lower half of his body. And he's gigantic. Like, he's a real... He's not just tall. He's huge. He's 7'2". They're listing him at 7'2", 265. That's, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot of size. And he's already kind of like a bigger, burlier guy, right? And if his injuries are going to be all lower half, feet, all that stuff, we... I mean, the history on foot issues with bigger guys is terrible always bad um i feel like the one anomaly so far has been like kevin durant right but um it, it's always rough to have these guys and so i cory I, I think if we're just looking at on floor product of course i'm right there with you to have a 7-2 guy that plays the way that he does um as you mentioned right he's been great this year and he's just so much to handle especially on the college level to be that big um and to you know have his offensive package it, it's tough right but on the next level, if he's going to have to prove to teams that he can stay healthy, and that's a, a really tough thing. Joel Embiid had the same issue, right? I mean, Embiid, obviously, way more talented, better player, but um, he, he was a huge injury risk, and the reason why he dropped a little bit in, in his class, right? But with Klingon, it's, that, it's never been the on-floor thing for me, at least in, in terms of this season. It's just he's missed time with lower half issues, and that's always scary. It's all injuries for me. Um, and ESPN, ESPN has him listed at 280 
Um, so I think he came in. I think the big story was that he added 15, 20 pounds from last season. And I'm like, dude, you're already one of the biggest humans on the face of the earth. Why are you adding more weight? Um, and for a guy who, you know, wasn't the most in shape in high school, and now he's having multiple foot injuries, that really, really worries me. Like Albert said, all the on-court stuff is absurd. We're even seeing some of the passing now. His assist rate's up to 14, which is better than some of the guards in this draft class. Um, he rebounds everything. The block numbers are just dominant. Um, you know, the post-finishing stuff is dominant. Good foul drawer. I worry about how much he leans on guys and kind of commits fouls on defense, but whatever. I, I think you can fix that once you realize that you're one of the biggest humans on the face of the earth. Um, so I just stop bulking up, stop getting bigger. You don't need to be 280. So I, I just, I, I w really worry about what those medicals are going to say. So I, you know, I saw him earlier in the year and, you know, I know that, you know, he, he put on weight according to the website or, I don't know. He, he doesn't, he looks lean though. Hmm. He did not, he didn't look like it was bad weight that he had put on. Like it, some of it's probably just cause he got a little older. Some of it was probably a concerted effort to get stronger. Yeah. I'm sure that's a lot of it. Um, but it was like when I was watching him, like, I don't know how much leaner he can really get. And if he's not carrying like the muscle, then it's just fat. Right. Wait, like, you know, like, I, I don't know what his physical profile and I don't know if that's a good thing that we don't know what his physical profile ultimately <laughs> uh, could look like. Um, but I just from a production standpoint, he's like one of the few yeah. college prospects that you can kind of be like, well, I know he's good, like for yes. real. So I just at what point of the draft do, does the foot injury concern kind of go away? Because we saw um Cam Whitmore last year dropped a 20, you know, I know a lot was said about, you know, whatever him interviewing bad and, and who knows, but like really he dropped because of the medical red flags. And I think that if that draft happened again, just based on his play earlier in the year, teams would probably ignore some of those red flags, you know, like um, in the moment because they haven't really reared their ugly head. So at, at what point do those red flags just become worth it? I'd say after 10 for me, I, he's 15. So depending on the right team, I think anyone outside, you know, kind of in that range who needs a center, I, I'm not sure there are many better swings in this draft uh, to kind of take at that position because I, I, I would be shocked if he didn't have a solid career for any other reason um, than injuries. And when I say solid, I don't mean, you know, Hall of Fame starter, just minimal, you know, kind of, 20 minutes a night role player. Um, I, th I think that's kind of his baseline given how dominant he's been in both these seasons. It's just the, the injuries really, really concern me. So it's going to be fascinating to see what the, the scuttlebutt is with those medicals. Yeah. And you know, as much as I want to pump them up, that those are big legitimate concerns for a team that, especially if you only have one pick and it's like, we don't want to waste it and throw it away. Um, all right. In the next group, we have Kalel Ware at 21. We have Jared McCain at 22. Hot riser there. Zach Eady at 23. Oso Iguodaro at 24. And then friend of the program, Dylan Jones, uh, coming in at, at 25. So uh, Metcalf, now that you are back um, on the screen for this next group of guys, who is the guy in the name that has stood out from this group for you? Let's talk Jared McCain. Um, okay. My 
God, did he put on a show against Florida State. Um, and he's kind of been doing stuff like that for the last couple weeks, couple months. Um, he's been super, super impressive. And I think he's kind of continuing to show by the game that he's more than just a shooter. Um, the ability to kind of consistently get to the rim, despite not being an elite athlete, has been really impressive. Um, and then his craft and his scoring touch with both hands around the rim has been phenomenal. I really like the passing reads, the decision making. Um, the defense is pretty inconsistent, but he's been a pretty solid rebounder with multiple games and you know double digits for rebounding. Um, but the the big selling point is that he might end up being the best shooter from this class. He got a strap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's got a strap. And, you know, I, I think what's so interesting about him is I, I think when watching a lot of his pre-draft or his pre-Duke film, we all really liked his ability as a playmaker. And that's not really a part of his game that he's gotten to show mm -hmm. off a ton at Duke. I, I think primarily because it's not what he's being asked to do. Um, but, I think he has that to unlock. Um, the shooting is absurd. Uh, finishing and, and stuff for a guy, his, his height has been good. I mean, it, he's like this ideal kind of complimentary floor spacing guard connective piece for uh, a team that has a primary playmaker with a little bit of size already. And, you know, Albert, you and I went up and we spoke to him um, at after one of the Hoop Summit scrimmages. And we both walked away and we were like, that's the most charismatic basketball <laughs> player that we've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that goes uh, a long way. Obviously, you know, he's you know, a big TikTok guy and, and, and whatnot. So he's very comfortable in himself. But like he is a guy that in this pre-draft process is going to just floor people in interviews. Yeah. So uh, where is his kind of ceiling as a draft prospect? Like what is the highest Albert that you could see him going? <sighs> I, I I actually don't know, Corey. I, maybe lottery, end of lottery, for, 14, like literally end of lottery. It, it could happen. And Corey, to your point, like we walked away so impressed after meeting him. We were like, this is, like you said, charismatic, just effervescent type of personality, it, intense eye contact, lots of smiling, cracking jokes. We were like, this yeah. kid has it, right? Just great you know, personality to him, but even the on-court stuff, like he's been incredible. His la the last, even like just the last five games, I think he's got like three games in the last five with over 10 rebounds. Uh, Metcalf mentioned that Florida state game he went eight for 11 from three. That's pretty goddamn good. Um, yeah. He's a really fun player, Corey. And I think in this draft, why not end of lottery? You get a guy who, you know, can run the team good character guy can shoot the hell out of the ball is playing wi winning basketball. I, I, I'd be, I'd be totally fine. Like at 14, taking a guy like that in this class, obviously if this was a different year, I'd feel different, but no, he, he deserves all the praise that he's getting and how much he's moving up boards right now with his play recently. Cause it's been unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think he is somebody who actually has a chance to rise even more. Um, in the next iteration of these draft rankings. Um, all right. So our, our next group of guys from 26 to 30, we have Tristan De Silva, uh, Ethan Almanza, Devin Carter, 
uh, Tyrese Proctor, and then DJ Wagner. That's our group 26 to 30. Uh, some of those names, I am a little bit surprised are still there. But Albert, you just saw Tristan De Silva um, up close. And he was somebody who, when you and I did a film session with Neek Clifford, um, had was Neek spoke very highly uh, of Tristan as a player. Um, so what were your impressions on, on Tristan De Silva? Uh, because it seems like from the jump, he was the guy in the chat that you were like, this dude. Um, what I have to say about Tristan doesn't mean as much as Neek uh, had to say about Tristan, but I walked away from that game going, God damn, I love Tristan De Silva. Um, I just seeing him, he steps on the floor. This guy's six, nine, just chiseled frame, huge shoulders. He walks in super handsome dude. Everyone's like, Oh, like there's like an aura to him almost. Right. And he, he walks in and he kind of like, just like does his own warm up. Um, it, it was fantastic. And then the game starts and he's just making just perfect reads all the time on offense. Just perfect timing, knows when to cut, knows where to be, knows how to move the ball. The outside jumper looked good. He had a couple cuts that game. I was just like laughing by myself. And I was like, that's high level and in just incredible basketball. And um, defensively too, I think Metcalf, you uh, did a feature on like some of his like off ball team defense stuff. And I was just like watching him and I'm like, yeah, this guy is smart, like really, really smart, knows what he's doing. Uh, Neek mentioned, you know, he's, he's kind of like one of these Euro guys, really, you know, smart, intellectual, whatever. And I saw it. It, it like it was all on display during that game. And I just left that game. Like whenever he wasn't on the floor, it felt like Colorado was very confused about what game they were playing. And then he came back on the floor and they're like, oh, we're playing basketball. Uh, was kind of what it felt like. So I, I walked away thinking, I, if I'm an NBA front office guy, like I'd have no problem taking him in the in the first round. Um, I probably wouldn't take him lottery, but you you get this guy at 17, 18, you'll be really happy. If you get him even later, forget about it. So um, I, I think he's a guy that will continue to go up draft boards. He's he's always been a pretty good shooter in college. Uh, I think like this is already like his second or third year shooting over for, uh, like over 35, 37% ish, whatever. But um, really good shooter, huge frame, really smart player. I, I loved him. Metcalf, I know you've been um, a fan. I feel like you've been hot on him lately. Uh, what is it about him throughout this process that has kind of had him grow on you so much as a, as a player? Just basically everything Albert said. I mean, just incredibly high feel. None of his numbers are going to floor you. Um, and when you just kind of look at him on paper, you're like, eh, it's fine. Um, but then you watch him play and it's all the connective stuff on offense where he keeps the ball moving. He doesn't take bad shots. He's not turning the ball over. Um, and then on defense where he's communicating and directing everything and making the right rotations and deterring shots and just all of those little things that lead to winning basketball. I know that sounds incredibly cliche, but when you think about just like, guys who should be ready to contribute very early in their careers um, and be really high level complementary pieces to kind of an already established core. I don't think there are many better options in this draft than De Silva. Um, I, I think he just kind of is one of those guys that plays whatever role is asked of him and elevates the game of everyone else around him because he's constantly doing all those little things on both ends of the floor. So what's what do we think the NBA vision for a Tristan De Silva is? Is it like Cam Johnson type of guy? Um, 
even though maybe he's not as probably potent as a shooter? Uh, or, or is it something else? I get some like Clippers Batum vibes from him. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not Charlotte Batum. Um, but that kind of, you know, three, four tweener type guy, you don't want him creating on ball, spot up shooter, play finisher, good cutter, good rebounder, um, can defend up when needed and can, you know, provide enough resistance if he has to switch on guards on the perimeter. I, I think that's a great comp. My brain just went to Robert Ory, but yours is better. So, <laughs> well, uh, Robert Ory, I feel like is a pretty good one too. Hmm. I think that's a pretty yeah. interesting one. It's you, you yeah. go straight to the nineties. We... <laughs> that's just how my brain works. <laughs> uh, now let's talk about another Duke guy quickly. Um, as we round out this top 30, because, Tyrese Proctor, um, and we didn't include the athletics um, last mock on this. This came out before that was released. Uh, but Tyrese Proctor was not in the athletics last mock draft. Is Tyrese Proctor a... He's coming back for his junior year? <laughs> I don't think so. I, 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 I've been really impressed with this last handful of games. Mm. Um I don't know. I mean, what, what, what are your guys' thoughts? Are, are you cooling on? Are you out on him? Or well, I I've been I, mm. I've been cool. Yeah, <laughs> Tyrese Proctor, um, uh, probably always. But I kind of thought that you know while he's sprinkled in a rough game um, here and there, I, I kind of was like, all right, like. He seems to be playing well. Like the shot is going in seemingly a little bit more consistently. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing a little bit more. Like the the assist to turnover ratio this year has been really, really good. Um, you know, to me, he, he's not one of these jumbo initiators where you were, that's what you were kind of hoping he could get mm. to. Part of me thinks he looks really small and maybe like mm-hmm. we're smaller than he's listed and the hair just gives him a little bit of the, that, that extra height. But like the shot looks good and like he seems like an NBA player. I don't know what he would gain by going back for his junior year. Um, but yeah, I, I, he's a guy that I kind of expected to drop out of the lotto conversations he had early in the year. Cause I just got like Killian Hayes kind of vibes, but also like Killian can't shoot and I think Proctor can. So there's like a little bit more there, but I was I was just a little shocked. I mean, I'm not shocked that he's been dropping, but I was a little shocked that, you know, some people are starting to put it out into the ether that he may not be a this year guy. And, um, you know, I guess if you're a guy at Duke and you got Duke money coming in through NIL, although I'm not exactly sure if Proctor qualifies for that because he's not from here. And I know there are rules and regulations uh, for international prospects, but um not that any college would ever do anything under the table. So never, um, but I I guess when you have that kind of situation, maybe it can make some sense. Um, especially if you're going, you know, to a second round potentially and you're, you're fighting for guaranteed money, but yeah, just, just interesting, even though, you know, I think he is an obvious kind of faller throughout this process. Um, all right. In, in our 31 range, we have Trevon Brazil, at 31, uh, Dambona at 32, PJ Hall at 33, Trey Alexander at 34, KJ Simpson at 35, Melvin, Melvin Ajinka at 36, Ulrich Chomchi at 37. Uh, welcome to 
the board, uh, Carlton, Bub Carrington at 38, Justin Edwards at 39, and A.J. Mitchell, um, who we said we were going to talk about earlier in, in the chat, rounding out the top 40. So let's talk about uh, A.J. Mitchell a little bit because we went from one guy who looks like Killian Hayes to uh, another guy who looks a little bit more like Killian Hayes with a uh, big lefty initiator with a shaky jumper. Um Metcalf, I know that your co-host Tyler Rucker is a big AJ Mitchell guy. Where are you on AJ Mitchell? Um, not there yet. Um, okay, I've I, I'm really trying to keep an open mind, but every time I catch one of his games, um, he he looks pretty rough, and the the shot doesn't go in, and they're you know he's not playmaking for others. So I, I'm trying to keep an open mind of that I am just been horribly unlucky with the games that I've tuned in on. And obviously I'll, you know, I'll eventually get to the good ones and um, catch up on those two. But I'd, I, I have yet to see what makes him what for some people have as a first rounder. Um, I, I can't get there yet. Yeah. I, so I could see him as a first rounder. I know, um, you know, when Rucker wrote about him and posted, mm-hmm. you know, it on the internet as you do after you write about somebody um p3 actually responded to the tweet and said that he has like really impressive athletic testing uh and that means something coming from them because they're kind of like you know the standard um but you know uh talking to you know some some people from an nba team who have seen him play you know i think the the big concern is that one he's probably more like six three barefoot Mm -hmm. Uh, and two, it is the outside shot. How many of it, those shots he passes up, not necessarily the shot itself, like the shot itself. I think most people aren't worried about, but it's like, is he willing to change his game? Kind of take them at volume because if those shots don't go in and this is where the Killian stuff kind of gets you, if those shots don't go in, where are we at with him? as a player. And if he's not putting them up at volume, then he becomes way easier to guard irregardless if he's a better athlete, you know, than it looks like on the surface. Um, cause he has some playmaking, you know, he had, he's crafty. He's got all that stuff. Killian Hayes added to, and that didn't work. So I, I guess, you know, for me, it's, I need to sell that he doesn't have that Killian Hayes in his game because otherwise I love what it looks like. I love how herky jerky he is. Like, I love the the in between stuff. I he's got even that that Killian step back like in the mid range. I'm just concerned uh, about what he looks like in you know the context of you're a guard who your main thing is scoring. If you're going to have on ball equity at this level, you have to be able to knock down threes. And when the ball swings your way when you're off the ball, you can't pass him up. Bingo. I Corey, I have nothing positive to add. Uh, AJ Mitchell is not a guy that's like super high on my board. Same questions. I think the one thing I will say, like I didn't have as big of like a reservation in terms of him athletically. I, I was like, oh, you know, pretty good first step. I I like the herky jerky stuff because hesitations takes good angles at times. So I I was okay with it. Um, but yeah, just I, I personally think he's six three as well. Like I, I watch him. I, I think he's another liar. Um, he's not six four. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's probably his college and uh Yeah, I know, I know. Not him. 
<laughs> Shots fired. Fraud. Uh, and a college would never lie about anything like that. So, Of course not. All right. Uh, at 41, we have Tyler Kolick. At 42, we have Deron Holmes. 43, we have Kaishan George, who, again, uh, he was not listed before this. I think he's probably going to be a riser in the next one. 44, we have Juan Nunez. 45, we have Jalen Tyson. 46, we have uh, Pacom uh, Dadier. And 47, we have Zvonimir Visich. 48, Alex Caravan, who um, editor at our website, Nick, just wrote about on the site. 49, Kwame Evans Jr. And number 50, not listed his first appearance. We have Kansas wing Johnny Furphy. So a lot of guys who are going to make big, or a couple of guys who are going to make big jumps because Furphy and George are both going to have pretty significant leaps on the next iteration of this as people now kind of put them more into a this year guy instead of a next year guy. So Metcalf, let's do it. Let's talk some Johnny Furphy because I think you and I are the most bought in irregardless of, you know, the, the sample size. So, so tell the people why Furphy is a guy who maybe they should get to know as we think he has some real lottery potential. Uh, NBA athlete at six, nine who shoots the crap out of the ball. Um, and is also an elite positional rebounder. Any other guys who get those kind of, uh, descriptors in this class are mentioned in the top five. So, why I, I I don't get the hesitation with him. Um, just the the way he moves off ball, the the cutting, the stuff in transition, the quick release. He's always shot ready. The way he kind of baits his defender into turning their back on him when he crashes the offensive glass. It's all really translatable. It's all just NBA skills. Um, awesome athlete. I, I like the defense more than others too, but whatever. I do. I, I I can kind of get hesitations, but. I think the defensive concerns with him have been largely overblown, especially with that athleticism at six, nine. Um, he just feels incredibly safe as a legit um, lethal shooter with a lot of defensive upside um, that I, I think has even more to kind of game to grow into and, and show in the coming years. Albert, mm-hmm. is it because he looks like a little boy? <laughs> I, Hey, I actually <laughs> on my board right now. I have him at ten, so Proud I'm I'm, I'm with you guys. Like my thing with him is he does look like a little boy, but um, <laughs> he looks twelve. <laughs> hey man, he's from Australia. These yeah. those Aussies are tough. Um, that, that that always seems to be true with them. Um, and I I love his game, dude. Like as Metcalf mentioned, really athletic. Um, he could be a little hunched over at times, so he looks less athletic. Um, but it might just be because, you know, he's young and he's learning his body still. But um, he moves really well. Uh, I, I love the way that he moves. The outside shooting, great. Um, and he's tough. That's the thing. Like, he's not fully, you know, in his body yet. But he's he's a tough dude. He plays like an Australian guy, which might be a stereotype. But um, I, I, I'm I really into it. I have him top 10 and no problem right now. Yeah, I think he's pretty easily their best prospect. Yeah. Mm. I don't even think it's particularly close. Like, you know, I love Kev love, you know, great dude. Um, hard worker. He, I don't, I just still don't buy the shot this year, you know, even though it got a little bit better this year and ultimately like Furphy is just bigger with a better shot, you know, at more athletic, um, and a monster frame. And he he just kind of came out of nowhere this year. And, um, he's a guy that you got to get to know 
because Kansas, another team that's expecting to make a, a deep run. And I think that, you know, them giving him this jump in minutes is one of the better decisions they've made. And uh, he just brings stuff to the team that they were missing. And when you try to look at what he could do for an NBA team, like so much of it right away is that. And I think he's probably got a little bit, you know, more to unlock. Um, at least, you know, hopefully from a connective passing standpoint where right now his game is much more play finishing, but yeah, again, six, nine, three and D guys who, you know, are real shooters, throw some facial hair on my guy and, and <laughs> hey, he's got a picture perfect jumper too, Corey. Like the, just his jumper looks so beautiful to me. Yeah, the one thing he, his follow through is a little funky. He he kind of points at like uh kind of like Amen Thompson did like to the to the side. To, yeah, to the side a little yeah. bit. So like, yeah, let's let's straighten that out yeah. so we can get those free throw numbers up. Um but, you know, at at that size, at that height, kid's got a lot of potential. The other guy in that group, uh I don't want to gloss over him and and Albert you wrote about him is uh Keyshawn George from Miami. Uh there's another guy who's going to be a big time riser. Uh why did you decide to write about George? Um, somebody texted me about him. Um, and I was like, all right, so let's dig into the tape. And I was like, well, now I understand why you texted me about him because this is the exact type of guy that I like. Um, as I mentioned, I have a type, right? If you're six seven to <laughs> six nine or six ten and you can shoot, I you're my guy forever. I will die for you. Um and with Keyshawn, he's shooting the shit out of the ball this year. Like he's he's been unbelievable at, at shooting from outside. Um I I think I heard, you know, your pod with Maxwell on Sunday, and Maxwell was like, No, I'm not sure about the playmaking. I I I'm sure about the playmaking with Keyshawn. I think it, in time, it's going to flash even more. He plays on that team with Miami. Dude, watching them play sometimes, I hate it. Like, I hate it so much. Like, Nigel Pack sometimes is just taking, like, a million threes from the logo for no reason. I It's rough watching Miami play sometimes. And with Keyshawn, I'm like, dude, put him in a different circumstance, different situation, he's going to be awesome. Um, I, I love the size, love the shooting, love the playmaking. Obviously... I get it. He's a little bit older, but don't freak out. He's not 55. Um, he's going to be really good. And um, I, I think in time, just he's going to be a little bit more solid on defense. I, I know right now I wrote about it. Like, I think he just trusts his hands and his length a little bit too much. But I, I think all that is fixable. He's got a great frame. Like, he's going to easily put on muscle. I believe that. Um, you talk about, like, a guy becoming like a Tatum in terms of, like, physically with the shoulders and stuff. I, I think he could get there. I, I really do believe that. And as you mentioned, Corey, when you did your part with Maxwell, he might still be growing. He might actually grow to 6'10", 6'11", after everything's said and done. So uh, he's a guy that played point guard coming up. Uh, well, he was playing in France, um, obviously from Switzerland. But when he was playing in France, they had him playing point guard, playing a ton of guard. So he got a lot of guard skills to him. I, I love him a ton. Another guy, last guy in that grouping that, um, you know, I think we should touch on because he's another guy that I think is going to be a big riser in that group. Uh, kind of a similar archetype uh, as like big wing facilitator guys is Jalen Tyson from from Cal. Um He's somebody that's starting to get a lot of buzz, you know, real potential to be like a, a top 20, top 30 guy. I covered him uh, on the Draft Sickos podcast when I hopped on with Steven earlier in, in the process. And one of my critiques with him was like for as 
awesome as he is as like a shot creator and creating space like I wasn't really buying and I still don't necessarily buy kind of like the playmaking aspect of his game like I think he's somebody who's capable of making um some interesting passes but I just always thought his decision making was was a little rough uh you know he's got a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio this year uh last year it was negative different role for him um and you know it's something that he's probably getting better at but you know, I, I think that for some of the um, on-ball equity, and if you know you're looking at him as this big dude, and maybe you're like, oh, maybe he could be like a a, a J Dub or something. I just think there's a level of playmaking that he doesn't have to his game. He's much more score first, but he 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 hits the boards hard. He's big. He's creative off the bounce. He can shoot it, um, and I think he's gonna be able to shoot it off the catch. So he's interesting. He's interesting, and I I think it would be perfectly reasonable if he went. Um, in that top 20 range, given that, you know, the, the, the size and, uh, and skill aspect with them. So Metcalf, where, where, where have you been with Jalen Tyson? Um, I was really, really hesitant to kind of buy in. Um, I have them like er early second round range, top 40, um, just because the, the scoring versatility and effectiveness has been just that good for him this year. The the big thing that you mentioned, though, was the playmaking. And I was just kind of looking at my notes uh, from his game logs on him and, and the, you know, weaknesses or, you know, concerns column or whatever you want to call it. It was a lot of playmaking, consistent passing accuracy, ball security, that kind of stuff. And if he's going to be kind of a, more of an on-ball guy at the next level, that's going to have to get worked out real quick. So I, I'm, I am a little concerned about how much of what we're seeing from him is the fact that he is just kind of the end all be all on a really bad team as an upperclassman yet again, who's kind of played in a, a handful of conference conferences at this point. So is it just that he's so much more experienced and the game is so down for him that much compared to everyone else around him? Or has he really made this big time jump? Um, so I'm, I just, I still have a lot of questions. He's been really good this year though. Really good. I, really I have good. a question. Could he eventually in the NBA, obviously the numbers are not going to be the same. Could he become like an Evan Turner type of guy? I mean, Evan Turner, he could shoot way better than Evan could. True, but true. but at I different understand times, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I understand what you, you mean by like the, the big kind of, mm-hmm. you can play point guard in a pinch, but. You know, if he's your point guard, probably not going to win a ton of games, right? You know, um, but we got a lot of Jalen Tyson fans uh, in the chat. You know, Gregory Castillo, Jalen Tyson is him. Oh, um, uh, Mr. Ray, I love Jalen Tyson. Wish he was a more consistent defender. Don't we all? Would love that. Um, all right. Finishing up in this last uh, group of 51 to 60, we have Wooga Poplar from Albert's uh, Miami Hurricanes. <laughs> 52, we have Kobe Johnson. 53, Aaron Bradshaw. 54, uh, the revival of Harrison Ingram. 55, Baylor Shireman. 56, AJ Johnson. 57, Kylan Boswell. Enjoy your time on the draft act while you, you, you have it. 58, we have the ever uh, interesting online conversation of Judah Mintz. 59, we have Adama Alpha Ball and locking down the 60th spot, Jackson Robinson, who went from a flaming hot bag of Cheetos to a regular bag <laughs> of Cheetos. 
to freedoms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Albert, who who stands out to you as as an interesting guy on this list? Um, that even though they're in a portion of of a potential draft spot that says probably not an NBA player, you still kind of buy into a little bit. Mm, first off, I I just can't. I'm thinking of like really plain chips now. <laughs> like, what do you got? Like bugles. Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, just like going through this list, Baylor Shireman's been putting up big numbers for Creighton. Good for him. Yeah. Um, like really stuff in the stat sheets, like points, rebounds, assists, all that stuff. Um, Harrison Ingram, a guy that I saw at the Pac-12 tournament two years ago, and I was like, yo, um, I'm out on him forever, was how I felt <laughs> when I saw him. Um, I hated how he played. Like back, back at, at Stanford, you know, they they really did want him to like create. They put the ball in his hands a ton, but I thought he was in terrible shape. Um, I didn't like a lot of that and uh, didn't think he could shoot at all. And then now he's at UNC shooting the ball better, playing a different role. Um, and, you know, he, he has playmaking to him. I, I do want to say like that's still in him. And I think he'll, he'll be able to show off some of that maybe in a different role. Uh, but um, now with Ingram, like I've come all the way around, like in, in a huge way where now I kind of like him. And um, I think in our recent mock, we had him going to the Knicks in the second round. And I was like, sign me up. I'll do it. Second round pick. Harrison Ingram, no problem. We could use a guy sure. like him. So Westchester's nice this time of year. Westchester is nice this time of year. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to mention those two just because Shireman's like been really, really productive recently, and Creighton just pulled off a big win beating uh, UConn last night. So shouts Hammer. to him for playing well. That's, yeah, right. apt description. Correct. And Shireman uh, is a guy who I've had you know people who work in the league say you know is somebody who they're probably a little bit higher on than you know the general consensus. Just guy who's been around, right? But I, I think the thing with Shireman, who is really billed as like a, you know, a shooter, like if that's, you had one word to describe him, but the thing that has popped lately, his playmaking has been yeah. tremendous. And for somebody who's that big, who can shoot like that, and then also has some of the playmaking jobs, he's going to get multiple cups of coffee in the league, you know, undoubtedly. Uh, Metcalf. Should we try to sell people on why AJ Johnson should be way higher on this list? <laughs> it seems like a lost cause at this point, but I, I, I'm not abandoning ship. Um, uh, Kristen Peak, I think, is is in with us. She's she's kind of holding love that steady. Uh, yeah, he, he I I just he's one of the rare guys in this class that I'm just more than happy to take a big home run swing on. Uh, the numbers are awful, um, but you know I. I dare you to try and go put up decent numbers while playing two minutes for three straight weeks, playing 12 the next night, and then not playing the next night after that. Yeah. Um, he has been dealt a losing hand this year. Uh, from what I've been told, he is up to 6'7", 175 now, um, which is very fun. Still very skinny, but just the the way that he constantly plays hard, does a lot of the little stuff, is attentive with his weak, weak side defense, uh, quick decision maker, and then you get a sprinkling of the kind of on-ball creation and what he can do in transition and the flair with the playmaking. It's like, oh my god, Like there, there's just so much there waiting to be molded into just a hell of a player. So he's going to be a multi-year project kind of guy anyways. But I, if, if I was a team, especially if I had multiple kind of if I had multiple picks in the top 40, um, I would definitely be using one on him. He's one of the most impressive high school prospects I've ever watched live. 
he like I remember texting the chat last year after I saw him. I was like, I don't even care. I take him top five in this draft. <laughs> like I was just really on the AJ Johnson high because he just he floored me with how effortlessly he looks like he was playing a different game mm-hmm. um, than the rest of the people on the court. And this was Stefan Castle, Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Kwame Evans, uh, you know, a bunch of other guys who I'm forgetting. And it was like, oh, this is AJ's game. Um, so I, I just cannot and will not. I refuse to to sell my AJ Johnson stock because I, I think that he's the exact kind of guy you you swing on. Um, not, not only in this draft, like in, in any draft and to your point with like, uh, you know, he's up to six, seven and he's only at 175. I don't know. I kind of think his frame looks good. Maybe it's the jerseys. I don't know. Like, I feel like he's got a little bit of, uh, weight to him. He doesn't look like a string bean necessarily. And, and he's physical. And, like he's not afraid yeah. of contact. He, like he attacks the rim. He doesn't shy away from guys, you know, challenging him at the rim. Uh, he's physical, you know, when he's defending on ball, when he's rotating from the weak side. So yeah, he's skinny now, but you're not going to have to change his mindset. Um, and the fact that he's already kind of added 10 pounds during the season, I think is incredibly encouraging Add another 10 to that with that already established mentality with that length, that athleticism, um, at six, seven, man, I just, it's tough for me not to get excited about him. And I was really skeptical on him coming into the year. So I, it's weird that his NBL tape has been more encouraging to me, which is, I I may need to go talk to someone about I'm with you. I think the defense has been really good. (laughs) I think the defense has been really good. Like he's learning how to play real basketball. He had a weird, you know, high school experience, you know, playing for Donda and that whole thing happened. And, you know, so uh, he's super talented. I would be the same amount in on him if he was still listed or being talked about as a guy who's six foot five, you know, because that's still pretty good height for the kind of player he could be. Um, Before we close here, just go into the chat. Thank you for everybody watching. Make sure if you haven't yet to subscribe, um, and share or you know if you just want to hang out with us you know we're, we're doing these live pods multiple times a week so it's uh it's good to have you here now chris in the chat uh and metcalf i'm going to throw this to you because you are our residence timberwolves guy mm-hmm. and uh it's also an interesting question that i don't want to answer so i'm gonna put that on you what player has anthony edwards potential in this draft is the real question pass <laughs> this has been a big the, the, the chat's Having a, a Jackson a Robinson. Discussion. No, 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 I, no, no I, there, there isn't one. No. And no. I think that, I think it highlights that Anthony Edwards was a special prospect. Yeah. yeah. More than anything else, because there aren't Anthony Edwards in a lot of drafts in most drafts, you know, there is to find that combination of smooth agility and raw power. It's just, you don't get it every single year. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm not even going to warrant that with a response with a name because it, it would be unfair to that prospect in this class just because they don't exist. Yeah. And that's why Ant is a potential superstar, you know, leading one of the best teams in the NBA. So, uh, Metcalf, thank you for joining us. Uh, this was a blast as always. So, tell the people what you're working on and where they can find you on the World Wide Web. Uh, at TMetcalf11 on Twitter, no ceilings on BA.com. it's mostly free. Um, I have a Jared McCain piece coming out Friday. Um, Go check it out. He's very good. I like him a lot. He is good for all the reasons we talked about on this stream. So if you missed that part, just rewind it. Uh, Albert, 
tell the people uh, about your piece that you just released and, uh, you know, where they can find you. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Med- when Medcap, you gave your um, your Twitter username, I thought you said McLovin. Nope. Uh, but you said Medcalf11. <laughs> Sounded like McLovin. McLovin, what kind of fucking name is McLovin? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus. Okay. Um, so I'm Albert, uh, at Albert Ogim <laughs> on Twitter, at GTGNBA on Instagram. Um, I wrote a piece, a little scouting notebook thing from the couple of UCLA games I went to. I saw Colorado, got to see Oregon. Uh, we'll be in the building to see USC and Arizona as well. So we'll have more to talk about. And uh, one more boring, uh, like plain chips, Corey. You guys remember Munchos? Come on. Uh, had to throw that in there. Um, Munchos, when, I, I don't remember, actually. Oh, I apologize. You guys remember, like, the, uh, I don't what are they called? Like, hip-hop chips or something? And it would just be a bag <laughs> of chips with, like, Fabulous on the... <laughs> nope. Or, like, it'd be, like, Joel Santana on <laughs> Dipset. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, that's where you can find me. And you can find me at Corey Zeliba. Um Again, make sure that you head to noceilingsmba.com for our free content. And then if you want to hop in the Discord with us, you can subscribe to No Ceilings Plus. Um, and you get a lot of exclusive content. You get a lot of, you know, intel. And, uh, you know, the community we're building over there is is a ton, a ton of fun. So um, thank you, everybody, for watching. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast feed, make sure you rate, review, all that good stuff. Until next time. Thank you, everybody, for stopping by. We out. Peace. Peace.